Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now, the podcast. This is the podcast where for the majority of the show, we talk about retirement income planning and the needs of people who are nearing retirement, in retirement, getting close to retirement, all those concerns. But before we do that, we have some very important business to attend to. The our, business of how bad we are at picking risk. Yeah, we are really bad. We were, we're good at predicting how bad we're going to be at predicting. And if you had listened to the podcast where we picked the opening game against the Steelers and the one against the Cowboys, you you would have gone. So you're going to somehow make that a silver lining that we predicted that we would be bad? No, I'm saying if somebody listened to used to listen to the radio show and now they listen to this podcast and they know that we're bad at predicting and they bet against our predictions as we sort of hinted that might be the way to go they would have won a lot of money because we were dead wrong (laughs) on both the Steelers game and the Cowboys game I'm going to say in my defense I didn't really watch much of the preseason I wasn't super dialed in on the Redskins Steve you could have watched all of the preseason (laughs) you could have been dialed in all you want the reality is none of that stuff matters I'm trying to come up with something suck Okay. Or have sucked. Then we'll see how we do for we have to pick this week's game as we always okay. do. Okay. I want you to go first. Um well, you know what? And I, and since we're usually wrong, maybe this will be a weird good thing. No way I'm picking the Redskins at Giant Stadium. <laughs> I was my son asked me, Hey, what was the last time we won at Giant Stadium? And I'm like, and you know I'm on top of this stuff and I'm mm-hmm. a big Redskin. I can't I don't remember. I do not remember the last time we won there. I'm, I'm sure, sure somebody listening long. to the I don't know, man. I just don't remember. And, and this team just doesn't seem like it's good enough to beat the Giants at Giants Stadium. So, and yeah, I know the NFL is a week-to-week thing, but I'm going Giants 23. Will it be close? It's the kind of game we won't score. Redskins 17. We'll drive down towards the end. We could win with a touchdown, but, but let's face won't. it, we won't. Something will sputter out. 23-17 Giants. Uh, I was really hoping you'd pick the Redskins. No way. There was no way I was going no to. No way I'm picking the Redskins. Uh, gosh, I want to differentiate myself from you, but I've got to pick the Giants because I can't let you take a, a lead on me and then just never look back. Yeah. So I'm also going to pick the Giants. Okay. I think it'd be a nice, comfortable victory for the Giants. It'd be 28 28- 17. Uh, okay. It's now, not quite as close as you. Now, I hope we're both wrong on this one. <laughs> that would be nice if we're both wrong. So that leads, and it's, oh, this is perfect for what I wanted yes, to actually talk about. Just thinking that. Perfect, because what I wanted to talk about has to do with long-term. We'll get to the long-term care insurance aspect of it, but it has to do with 
former Redskin and Giant Sam Huff. Mm-hmm. And if you actually want to read really, if you're interested in sports but want to read pieces about sports that gets behind just the X's and O's and into the lives of athletes, good analysis, Sally Jenkins, who writes an occasional column in the Washington Post. I have a feeling she's a syndicated writer, but she yeah. I know she writes for the Post also. She's a great writer. Her father was a guy named Dan Jenkins. who used yep. to write for Sports Illustrated. But anyway, <clears throat> she wrote a great piece about Sam Huff and what's going on with him. So if you're a big Redskins fan like Steve and I, you know that the Redskins announcers on the radio used to be Sonny, Sam, and Frank. Yeah, Sonny's still doing it, although Sonny should retire. Yeah, Sonny, um, Sonny's, Sonny's probably headed or something. Too, yeah. Oh yeah, Sonny needs to. Sonny's barely hanging on, but I guess Sonny has a contract for life. And now you have Larry Michael, but you did have Frank Herzog and Sam. And during the Super Bowl years, these are the guys who did it. And mm-hmm. but Sam used to play. He was a linebacker. He was actually a Hall of Fame linebacker for the Giants and Redskins. Really, the Giants is where he was got his Hall of Fame credentials. Well, guess what happens to a lot of Hall of Fame linebackers and any football player by the time they're eighty. They have Alzheimer's. Yeah, those, from those the, hits to the head start to add up there. An NFL player is 300 times more likely to have Alzheimer's. 300% more likely. 300%. So three times more likely to have Alzheimer's. 100 times. No, three times more three likely times, than the average person. Right. So, and the average person, a lot of people don't know this. If you make it to 80, you got a 50-50 chance of having some form of Alzheimer's or dementia before you die. So multiply that by three times and you know that's why a lot of NFL players if they make it that age a lot of times the brain goes from the concussions and stuff well, and I mean this is kind of the larger theme that we talk about a lot of the time is simply the fact you know a lot of people say well there's no Alzheimer's or dementia in my family it just it hasn't happened before but simply the fact that we're all living longer than our parents or our grandparents or aunts and uncles or whoever the fact that we're living longer it means that you're more likely to need that kind of care. And this story about Sam Huff, I mean, this well, obviously will not just very public, but it's... Right, well, the public of part of it is, it, it's somewhat typical, but I found it to be well. actually <laughs> atypical. But so what happened with Sam Huff is, so he has Alzheimer's and he, you know, dementia, and he was being taken care of at his farm. He, he used to, Sam Huff got a job as a VP for Marriott after playing football. Because back then when you played football, no matter, you didn't like, weren't set for life. So he was a job, besides his radio job, he was a VP for Marriott for a long time. Made a lot of money. Had a, I'm assuming so anyway, had a, has a horse farm in Middleburg. And he had a, his, I guess he never married this lady, but he's living with someone for 40 years. I mm-hmm. forgot her name in the story. So anyway, so he was living with her and a, like a resident of the community. And he, even though he had also, you know, they all know him in Middleburg. And I think it was a, a nice situation there for Sam Huff. But then one day his daughter came to take him for a visit to wherever she lives. I think it was Alexandria and never returned Sam Huff. Right. So then you had a legal battle because the, the, basically it's a, legal marriage, I'm sure when you've lived together that long, wanted custody of Sam Huff to take care of him. The daughter wanted to take care of him. So they went back and forth. It was mm-hmm. nasty, legal battle. And that's what Sally Jenkins was writing about, sort of as, hey, NFL players, this could be your future. Now, what ended up happening, just saw an article really the day after that one came out, was that the case was ultimately settled out of court. I mean, they basically reached an agreement that the the you know the the woman he was with for forty years would get custody mm-hmm. of Sam Huff. Well, I mean, there was no in this article. There was no real indication that one person meant ill or not. I mean, it was 
you know, simply a, a debate between a non-wife, a, a partner for a number of years and a daughter. Right. Um, but this gets complicated. It's, you know, he can't make a decision for himself. So the courts get involved. Yeah. But now what happens, what I find interesting from someone who's dealt with Alzheimer's in my own family is that Alzheimer's can be a long, it's like a long journey. You sort of start with just forgetting a few things and you don't need to be cared for. And then when, when the care starts, it's not, um, it's not exactly like you're still that sort of that person that you used to be. And then it gets just worse and worse. And I don't think either the daughter or the basically Sam Huff's wife either one of them have really dug into what the real, the care starts to become. Because after a while, it's not just wanting to have the person there. It becomes very stringent. It becomes super expensive. You need to bring caregivers in. And I'm not saying, Sam, and then it even becomes worse. It be, And to be graphic about it, because I think you need to be for people listening and wondering ultimately about wanting to stay at home forever when you have this stuff. You can't communicate. That means you can't communicate about going to the bathroom. There's a lot of changing, uh, a lot of nasty stuff. I hate to say it, this is the truth. Nasty mm-hmm. stuff when it comes to uh, toileting and continence. And it be- I find it to be impossible for a regular person to care for someone in the later stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. That's my own opinion. And- Some people I know are going to disagree, and that's fine. But that's why you see people bringing people into the home and ultimately you being in the better places, assisted living, you know, for Alzheimer's and dementia where they're they are well staffed and they know what they're doing with memory care. It's not about not wanting to help someone you love. It's about being able to and and the effect on you as a caregiver. And I don't think they're at that stage yet with Sam Huff. I don't get the impression from everything I read. And I did read a lot about it because I'm interested in it. But that's, you know, ultimately, that's why Alzheimer's is the most expensive long-term care. It's one of the reasons we urge people who have an estate to protect to get long-term care insurance, whether it's home care or assisted living or nursing care, because it can happen to anybody. It's going to happen to most of us, statistically, or at least half of us, if we live a long life and well, super and, expensive. Yeah, I mean, the natural reaction, I mean, if you've listened to us talk about long-term care at any point in the past... Um, you know, you've heard me say the natural reaction for a lot of people is, oh, I don't want to go in a nursing home. You know, don't put me in a nursing home. So I, I don't need long term care insurance. And I think your point's a really good one, which is nobody wants to go into the nursing home. They want to have their family members there taking care of them. But it's hard stuff. Uh, it's, uh, the it's only not the only easy. home care scenario I've seen, I've no. uh not revealing people that I know, but a situation where someone needed to be cared for version of Lou Gehrig's disease four or five years at home, done the right way, a home totally prepared for it and caregivers around the clock helping the husband in this case. But these people had a lot of money hmm. and no offense to anyone listening, but this care probably ends up costing over four or five years, about $3 million. Oh, a lot of people don't have $3 million. And that's why the best home care is super expensive and assisted living's not cheap. I always talk about my mother-in-law scenario, and this year it's one hundred fifteen thousand. That's just for the care, and that's where long-term care insurance comes in. It is something to protect your assets, and and I guess you, you might have gone to the website if you saw our seminars. My next long-term care talk is at Clyde's and Tyson's. It's October fifth, Wednesday, October fifth. Right. Most of you listening to this are on the website. If you know someone, most of you listening probably already have long-term care insurance, right? 
Because we don't have that extensive podcast audience we're looking for. We're still under 10 people. But <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's just, you know, as we say, when we talk about any different financial product or topic, I mean, that's one particular tool when you're trying to put together an overall plan and you're trying to basically say what could go wrong. And a lot of people think about, well, the stock market could go way down and you know, inflation could run wild and all those kind of things. But some of the other things that can go wrong, in fact, in our view, one of the biggest things that can go wrong is husband or wife or individual needs long-term care. And all of a sudden that retirement plan that seemed pretty good is now kind of blown out of the water. Right. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. Oh, and- by the way, if this podcast ever gets popular, mm-hmm. I've actually heard in podcasts when they shift gears to a new topic, okay. the ones that are really good have commercials in between Okay, because they're people who actually want to advertise on them. If you ever hear a commercial on this podcast, you know that we've blown away the 10 listener mark. <laughs> this would be the part where a little commercial goes. But really, all the commercials for podcasts I listen to are for young people. Mm-hmm. I listen to a podcast about politics. It's called uh, Keeping It 1600. It's ongoing about the presidential race, but it's really for young people. So the commercials are about like buying clothes online, (laughs) buying food online and stuff like that. Well, you know what? I've been saying and telling people and thanking them for hanging in there with some of our early audio problems. I didn't quite have things worked out. And I think I'm getting better at it as far as, you know, editing some of the audio. I think that I could actually do transition insert some some sound clips in there cool so when we transition we well, could let's do that you're allowed wow. to make it sound professional we don't have to be oh, okay. amateurish you know what i i don't want to spend all day long sitting here doing this okay so fair if I, if I can do it quickly then i'll do it and maybe we'll just start to insert some commercials for whatever <laughs> no, absolutely <you> know? not <laughs> um so what i was going to say is let's shift gears and talk about a different topic talk about social security and whenever we're talking about financial planning and you know the overall income planning in particular, Social Security needs to be one of these key discussions that everyone has. Because like it, don't like it, worried about the future of it or not, it's an essential element for most people's retirement plan. And If you know anything about Social Security, you know you've got some options as to when should you file for benefits. At the earliest, you can file for benefits at age 62. And the latest you can delay and continue to get credits for delaying is age 70. So there was a report that came out last week from uh, the General Accountability Office that says that Social Security does not do, the agency, does not do a very good job of informing people as to what their choices are. And this is interesting because in the last couple of years, Social Security choices and analyzing that has sort of become its own cottage little industry within financial planning. And this is even more so a year or so, a year plus ago, when we would talk about file and suspend strategies and delayed claiming, deferred claim strategies. If you follow this topic at all, you know that they pretty much got rid of most of those. So now we're back to the basics of Social Security. And the basics are, if you claim at age 62, you're collecting 25% less than if you waited to full retirement age. 
right? For most people, full retirement age is 66 and a couple of months. For me, because I'm 37, it's 66 and 10 months. Or no, I think it's 67. Correct that. For you, Dave. Yeah, now I'm interested. For I me. think it's 66 and five months. Five I only months get six, full Social Security like five months before you. I'm 55 in January and you're 37. Well, that doesn't you know, seem fair. Yeah, I'm not That's saying. That's fine, though. I'm going to get way more money than you do out of this deal yeah, anyway. I'm so. not saying. I'm not complaining. Gonna, it's going to stay like that forever. That's the way the current system stands right now. What's the deal when you're working? If I'm working and I'm 66, don't I get less or I still get full Social Security while I'm working. That's what they mean. No. So that's the big deal about making it to full retirement age is you can earn any amount of income and not have any sort of offset to your benefits. And what I mean by that is if you collect at age 62 and you say, wow, this is fantastic. I can get, you know, let's say it's $1,500 a month at 62. If you earn too much money, and too much money being, I think the threshold's over $14,000, they're going to start to decrease your benefits. Right. So virtually anyone working so in this yeah, area, I mean, in the this, D.C. area where we're recording, right. they're not going to take it if, they have, you know, if they're smart so, until their full retirement. And then if you wait from full retirement to age 70, that's an increase of 32%. So that's a, a big jump in benefits there. Now, what this report said, and it was basically an analysis of uh, in-person interviews that Social Security was doing with people, as well as the the tools and the brochures and whatnot that they have available on their website, is they didn't really stress enough to people the benefits of delaying claiming, right? And what they found here, right, what they found is that 48% of people collect social security as soon as they possibly can. Now, not even considering the fact they're still working. Well, I, I don't know. They don't they don't break that out. All right, to say, because that would be a huge mistake. And that's why education is important. They don't break that out. I'm assuming that those people are not working. And I also don't find that number to be surprising at all. Right? I mean, we <laughs> we live in a culture where people don't really want to wait for things. Um, they're obviously willing to buy things on credit cards and pay for it later. So the fact that you can collect it at 62, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people do that. Right. Um, what's really bad is that only 4% of people wait until age 70. So all these studies have shown, you know what, you're probably going to live a long time. You're probably going to live, you know, well into your eighties, maybe into your nineties, if you plan on living past, say, age 81, 82, you're better off waiting till age 70. And most people don't evaluate this like they evaluate a regular investment. You know, regular investments, you look at it and you say, well, what's the rate of return? You know, what's the risk that I'm going to achieve this rate of return? You know, what time period should I expect to hold this? Okay, it's a, an investment I'm willing to make. You should be using that same logic when you're approaching when do I claim for Social Security? Because if you wait till age 70 and you have the ability to do that, that can really that can mean a lot of money, a lot of extra money right. when you add everything up. No, well, there's no doubt about it, but that's why you have to 
That's really what retirement planning and strategies is all about, is taking into account, and we talk about this a lot, it's not just trying to grow your money the best you can. It's about the strategies involved with all these other things, Social Security being a major part of it, which, quite frankly, when people hire financial advisors, this should be the advice they're getting for the fees they pay. Yeah, I wouldn't expect Social Security or anything from the government to be incredibly helpful. I mean, let's face it, bad track record. Kind of like, you know, the Redskins in the red zone. Sort of know what's going to happen from them. So let me prepare for that. Well, and I mean, I'd take this discussion even further. We've talked about this in the past where people get pension offers from various companies and they have the ability to either take a pension, get a certain amount of income you know, each month or each year for the rest of their life, or they can get a lump sum in benefits. And same sort of thing. People don't know how to evaluate that. You know, how do you analyze that? What's the rate of return? Right now, in all fairness, that's hard. I've seen you do that work for clients. I mean, you have to be, I don't okay. say you have to be you, Steve Kiliani, but you have to be someone like you, you gotta know to be able, because you know how to do all that, and- all that stuff is not, but I think on a, on a more global perspective of the work that we do and what I think the future of our our job is, is that retirement planning, investment planning, you know, if you're working with us or any other advisor who I think is worth their, you know, worth their metal, you're, we're charging a fee, a fee-based kind of scenario. And for that fee, it can't just be we're picking the best investments. It's got to be all these other ancillary services that you have to be, you have to have experience and knowledge in as an advisor as part of that fee. And when you put all that together with, you know, good investment advice plus the ancillary services, now you can make a very strong argument, very strong that that fee is worth it if that fee is reasonable. Otherwise, you can't really make that argument. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining us once again. We are going to be on schedule to do these once a week from now on. So you can pick and fade our terrible Redskin picks. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, fade in the gambling terms, that means go against it. So Dave and I predicted the Giants are going to win. It's going to be a pretty solid win for the Giants. So maybe that's good for the Redskins. Oh, this is going to be exciting because chances are I have to see our schedule for next week's podcast. But I think we'll be recording it on Tuesday because I'm going to be out of town on okay. Monday. So that means we will have some sort of post-debate <laughs> conversation as ah, well because be it's the day after the first debate between clinton and trump that's a good tease let's talk next week about um, presidential elections and stock market returns perfect it's a good segue 